All right, welcome back to another episode of the Daily Dots. Here on the 18th of January, Thursday, uh, I'll rip through the markets here, and then I'll talk about a couple things that caught my eye today. Just me today. Zach uh, had a meeting that conflicted. Um, S and P was up about 0.9. Nasdaq about uh, about 1.4 percent. IWM actually finished up about 0.6 after being down on the day earlier. Um, a lot of this was driven by Mag7, but most especially Apple, which was up over 3% on the day um, after it got an upgrade. Um, I might talk about that a little bit because I think that's a little crazy. Um, Tesla was the only name, I believe, that down today for for the Mag7, which has been on the struggle bus pretty, pretty consistently of late. Um, volatility after jumping up uh, near 15 got hit by about four and a half percent today on the on the spot VIX. Uh, the dollar was pretty flat, but up a tiny bit. Oil up about two percent, which I'm definitely going to talk more about. Uh, as far as bond yields go, the two was flat to down a tiny bit, and then the 10 and the 30 were up about four and five basis points each. Uh, notably to me, the 30 year yield is. Um, the only one that's back above its 50-day moving average, uh, which it did yesterday in the day, kind of a combo. So we're back up to 4.36 on the 30-year yield after being under four. So I think that's a it's a relatively notable move higher um, in the 30. And then as far as the 10 goes, which is obviously going to be relevant for mortgages, we get down to about 3.78, and now we're back up to about 4.14. So Definitely not meaningless moves higher in yields to this point. And to the point I've kind of been consistently trying to make um, what, I, what I refer to as pressure, uh, the combination of oil rates and the dollar, uh, again, moving higher. Um, and that's that's really started to take off. And I mean, obviously, uh, the broader indices are ignoring that for now, but typically they do not ignore that for too long. It, it it is often a bit of a lead on the market. So if that keeps happening, I would expect the market to kind of take notice and, and uh, have some issues, call it in the next month to six weeks. Um, and I do think it's going to continue. In my opinion, oil is on the cusp of a breakout. And one of the reasons I feel feel good about that is I, I think gasoline futures broke out today. Um, they kind of need to verify it you know, tomorrow, but the, the way I draw up the chart, I think gasoline futures broke out today. Um, oil drew, drew down a little more than expected. Inventory levels are back to October, October area, October levels. Um, gasoline and diesel had another build bigger than expected, but we broke out anyways, which is is meaningful to me. Time spread still look good. The fact that, uh, China's in the market buying means something to me. The fact that U S growth just refuses to go down obviously means you're not going to have any uh, short-term recessionary, you know, demand hits or anything. Obviously, demand in, in places like India is going to be fine. So, I, I think the the next couple months, few months for oil uh, have have some upside. Uh, CTAs are very short, so if we do start to take off, then CTAs are going to have to go sell, or excuse me, they're going to have to go buy that back, and you're going to get a bit of a squeeze action just from CTAs. Uh, if you look at futures positioning, no one's really long. So all the generalists that like to, to trade oil are going to, they'll go buy it. The CTA is about to buy it back. Uh, retail likes to go buy the ETFs from time to time. So I, I do think you could be in for a situation where 
oil gets a decent rally. If oil and gasoline futures have a rally, that's going to put some new upward pressure on inflation that the Fed has not had to deal with for really the last year coming from energy, especially if, if natural gas also kind of joins in on the party uh, next month. So something to keep an eye on. Definitely, that's kind of the, 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 the top thing on my radar right now is dollar, oil, and rates because I think the combo um, is going to be macro significant as we move forward. Um, on the data side today, we had uh, housing starts and permits. They both beat expectations. But if you kind of look under the hood, it's, a, it's actually a little bit interesting and somewhat concerning. So multifamily was very solid, um, to my surprise, I would say. But also to my surprise was single family homes. Starts there were down 97,000, which is the worst month over month drop since the summer of 2022. So to have sort of a, you know, 18 month low for single family housing starts when rates have been down and obviously we had really good weather as a very mild December. Um, so I was, I was just a little surprised by, by that. Um, but at the same time, I, you can't ever take one month of housing starts data too seriously, but it's one of those where you're going to have to watch a little closer next month's data to see what happens to single family. If you, if you get another ugly print lower, then it may start to matter. Um, and obviously that would matter a lot to the, the jobs picture with construction jobs. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, the dollar itself is, has been in a kind of a three day fight with the 200 day moving average. Um, judging by the recent action of bonds, I think it's going to get through that and take it out maybe even tomorrow, but if not, I would, I would, I would think it will next week. So it's going to be hard to price these cuts out on hot data, have yields move higher and not, and not to mention oil move higher and not have the dollar move higher. Um, which again, going to put pressure on, I mean, it's going to put pressure on earnings. It's going to put pressure on, I would say valuations being where they are. So Something to definitely watch. Um, something interesting I, I read today was that was a Wall Street Journal article showing basically the allocation of uh, for Americans to equities, and basically we've gone from under half of households just in 2013 to almost 60 percent of households being alloc- having allocations to the stock market. Um, and Zach and I have talked before about how we've kind of turned the stock market into just like a a retirement utility. And that creates some conflicts of interest where making the stock market goes up, go up becomes uh, a very political um, choice. One that matters for politics. Cause if people, you know, if the stock market is going down, people feel poor and they don't want to spend money and they don't want to vote for you. So I mean, I think we saw that in the, in the Trump administration with all the, all the market cheerleading. We've seen a little bit of that from Biden as well. Um, and I think from a political standpoint, whenever almost 60% of people have money in the market and it is truly the way we all retire in America is on the stock market, whether you have a, a 401k, a pension, uh, IRA, like that money, at least a decent chunk of it is going to be in the stock market. So we're, we're basically all counting on it to, to stop working at some point. Um, so it's going to become more and more of a political football, those passive flows, from those retirement accounts are going to be a bigger and bigger driver of the the price action in the market. All certainly important things to, to keep in mind in the future. Um, and the fact that, you know, the last few um, negative trips in the market, whether that's uh, 
2020, 2008, um, even 2022, however, I mean, all of those having V-shaped recoveries is probably giving investors uh, a lot of confidence that if things go south again, there's nothing to worry about, um, which means on some level, uh, political authorities, whether that be president, Congress, Treasury, Fed, uh, but really cannot allow for you know a a lost decade in in the equity market at this point. The way China is essentially on on their way to at, at the moment, um, and well, I'll pivot to that and talk about that a little bit because I find it interesting and have been kicking around the idea um, and even really planning on on buying uh, the Hong Kong ETF just because it's just completely smashed and left for dead. Um, but it's really hard to hold your nose and buy anything, even China adjacent when they're, they kind of have the exact opposite situation in the U S where everyone in the U S we've, as we've talked about a bunch, you know, like your, your net worth just is consistently going up and going up in, in large chunks because your stock portfolio, your bond portfolio, your house is always seemingly worth more and more money almost every quarter, especially almost every year. Um, and if you if you look at those numbers going back to say 2018 or 2019, I, I ran the math and since 2019, the amount the net worth has gone up since right before the pandemic is the same as the the national debt. So you could obviously you can't actually do this, but you could pay off the national debt with just the net worth gain since the the pandemic began, which tells you how massive the net worth of the American household has gone up. And that clearly explains a lot of the economic resilience uh, of the last couple of years. But you have the exact opposite going on in China where their house, their house value is going down. Their stock portfolio, which they don't really own that many stocks, unlike us, but that's going down. Um, if you have you know some wealth management product with, with a bank, they probably invested that in the property sector in some way. So that's going down. So like pretty much everywhere you put your money is all of a sudden at best flat and probably down. Uh, in America, wages are growing still at about 5%. In China, they're flat to down. A lot of people are taking pay cuts. And if they're not, they're taking hour cuts, which is the, you know, is the same, good same functional equivalent as a pay cut. So if you're you know, a household, an investor, a consumer in China, I mean, you're getting squeezed. You're your net worth going down. The, the way you feel about your future is getting is getting more bleak. Um, so you're going to spend less money, and that's going to slow down the economy, and that's going to what slow down the value of homes and equities and the whole nine yards. So it's it's a feedback loop that is feeding on itself right now, and you can see it happening. The same as it is in the U.S., where you pump up net worth, and all of a sudden you get good good economic growth. Well, they're doing the opposite. They're draining net worth, and they're seeing growth problems. You keep seeing it, everyone seemed kind of surprised by the good data in America and the bad data in China. Um, and everyone's screaming from the rooftops, you need more stimulus uh, in China. Uh, and it's kind of clear to me at this point that uh, Xi is not particularly interested in any sort of significant uh, stimulus. Uh, but at some point they have to find a way to rekindle the confidence of the consumer or this thing is just will feed on itself until it spirals out of control and you have a debt deflation kind of shock, um, which is, which is funny because to me that that is currently the bit, the biggest kind of risk there is to, um, the world economy. I, it's funny because you see, 
uh, Bank of America does these surveys uh, every year. It's like, hey, what is the biggest risk to the markets you know, this upcoming year? And what it is right now is a U.S. hard landing, but but the biggest one is is geopolitics. You know, hey, like nobody cared about geopolitics, but then we had a couple wars pop off, so now everyone cares about it and thinks that's the biggest risk. Um, which means you can almost safely bet on it not being that significant of a risk. Um, but at the same time, I, I look at China and like if if they don't do some policy <clears throat> to get households, you know, feeling better, to pick up the animal spirits, to in the self-reinforcing vibe recession that they have, you you could have this thing feed on itself that much more. Um, so to me, that is the biggest risk. And that's a risk to not just the global economy and, and you know, equity markets and bond markets, whatever around the world, but it's it's also a risk to a lot of the things we, we tend to like here, things like oil that I just said, I think is breaking out. Uh, and one of the reasons is because China's buying a bunch, but it's not necessarily because demand's skyrocketing. It's because it's cheap at the moment. They can fill fill their storage back up while it's cheap. It tends to be what they do. When it gets expensive, they'll stop buying it. So they kind of they tend to be a bit of a governor on both sides of the price action um, when, when they can be at least. Um, but all that is just some different things to to kind of think about as we move forward in, in the months ahead. I I currently think. Um, not a prediction by any means that the market's going to go down, but I, I think I think U.S. equities are probably getting a little stretched here and could use a bit of a breather. Um, it seems to me that more or less everyone's long, everyone's bullish. Sentiment, positioning, flows, uh, all all kind of point to we might be a little overdone. Um, and, and I'm not saying for the whole year, but but I I think maybe for the next month or two you're at least in, in, a, in a window of vulnerability. Um, and I, I largely base that on going back to oil dollar and rates. Um, if I'm right and they keep moving up, I think that will catch equities and create a bit of a, a, a downdraft, probably one that is, is worth buying because policy policy support um, will, will likely follow any pain if it is at all significant. Um, and you know we've we've had this mantra of strong data in Q1, um, and we're getting it uh, for sure so far here in, in January. But what that's going to do is it's going to end up pushing the market lower and and bond yields higher, which is going to do what? It's going to tighten financial conditions, and then you'll kind of get the the reverse. Even in Q Q2, if if we get hot enough financial conditions, uh, cool enough, I should say. Uh, the rest of Q1 because of all the all the heat in the economy, then you'll kind of get the opposite. Where in, in the second quarter, the data will start to look bad. Uh, rates can start to move back lower. You can get these uh, interest rate cuts that we're going to probably get priced out here soon, priced back in, um, and asset asset prices can go back up. So this this yo yo that we're we're we find ourselves in with where asset prices move the economy, and then the economy moves asset prices. I would argue is alive and well for now. So that's, that's sort of our focus as we navigate um, the, the, the fun trade winds of this, of this market for now, but that's all I have for today. Keep an eye on, on uh, oil, the dollar and rates on Friday. Zach will be back with you tomorrow for the, uh, the regular show. So check that one out and I'll be back with you guys uh, next week for more daily dots. Thanks for listening, and you can download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Cheers.
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.